0: All right, how's everyone doing this morning? Good. Before we get started with the message this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh Lord, we thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Chance to come together, chance to just come and worship you, to fellowship in your presence. Lord, I pray over the message this morning. Lord, I pray that as each person hears this message, you would just challenge us, that you would challenge our hearts. Lord, that uh, we go through so many things in our life. There's so many times where we question you or we question your plan or we question everything that's happening. Lord, I pray this morning that you would provide some answers. Lord, I pray that we would find you this morning, that we would find you well, that that you would lift us up, that you would set us up. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, the message this morning, if you want to go ahead and pull the PowerPoint up. When God seems gone. How many of you ever felt like that in your life? You just, God, well, where's God in this situation? When God seems gone. I know I've been there. I know we've been there. I want to start this morning in Psalms chapter 13. We're starting verse 1. This is uh, King David is, is writing these words. He's the king. He's he's the king that God has set up to rule over Israel. And he writes these words How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I think I I relate to David here. I relate to King David here. How long, O Lord, how long will, will you forget me forever? Charles Spurgeon said this, Whenever you look into David's psalms, you may somewhere or another see yourselves. You never get into a corner, but to find that David has been in that corner. I think that I was never so low that I could not find that David was lower at some point, and I never climbed so high that I could not find that David was above me at some point, ready to sing his song even as I could sing mine. You see, this morning we're going to talk about suffering. We're going to, we're going to talk about what, what to do when it seems like God is gone. What do we do when it seems like God is gone? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? I've asked this question. This is where David is probably the most relatable. How long, O oh Lord? How many have asked God that same question? How long, O oh Lord? How long? Do I have to endure this forever? God, why can't I hear your voice? God, why can't I sense your presence? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long? How long will I have to keep up appearances, Lord? How long will I have to keep up appearances? How long will I have to put on the face of holiness even though inside I, there's turmoil? How long, O oh Lord, do I have to make it seem like I am holy even though I feel entirely unholy? How long, O oh Lord, will the suffering in my soul take place? This is what, David, this is, this is what David's going through right now. How long shall I take counsel in my own soul? We've all been there. We've all asked the question. And we've all waited for answers. If you've never experienced this in your life, some, some people would say, but Pastor David, I've never experienced that in my life. Just wait. Just wait. It's coming. You say, Pastor David, this isn't a very uplifting message. It's getting there. <laughs> I've never experienced that level of suffering, Pastor David, where I just felt like God, God wasn't there. I'm not going to take, take a raise of hands, but I know there's people in this place this morning that have gone through suffering. I know there's been times in my life where I've gone through suffering, where you question, God, how long will you be silent in my life? God, how long will you forget me forever, O oh God. And you say, well, Pastor David, is it right? Should we talk to God like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why? Because God is there. God God is there. And you say, God, how long? How long will you hide your face from me? I have sorrow in my heart daily. How long shall I take counsel in my own soul? We've all been there. You come to a place in your life, you come to a situation in your life where it seems like God has just hidden himself from you. God just isn't there. He just hides himself from you. You don't know where he is. And eventually you come to this place where you just feel no warmth. There's no embrace. There's no intimacy. It's just the lingering question, God, where are you? You get to a point of desperation in your life. Have you ever been at that point of desperation in your faith? Have you ever been to that point of desperation in your life? David is writing this based on his experiences at the time. And he's asking these questions. God, will you forget me forever? God, have you hidden your face from me? Because truthfully, it's how he's feeling at the time. This is how he feels. Of course, the title of the sermon is When God Seems Gone. Because the fact is that sometimes God feels gone to us. The fact is there's times in our life where we're going through something or we're, we're going through a situation or we're in a valley experience, and sometimes it's even a mountaintop experience where we just forget about God. Have you ever been there? I know I'm speaking to somebody this morning. Have you ever been at the place in your life where you just feel like God is not hearing you? Have you ever been at the place in your life where you just say, you know what? I don't even know if there is a God. I've been there. I don't even know if there is a God. David writes these words, how long shall I take counsel In my soul. How long do I have to look inwardly for for counsel? This is where David is. He's making choices based on how he feels. He's making choices based on, Lord, how long do I have to take counsel in my own soul, my my own experiences, my own trials, my own bias, my own fears, my own hurts, my own pains? How long do I have to take counsel in those things? It doesn't feel like God is there. But I want to say something this morning, and I want to make it very clear. Just because it's true according to our feelings doesn't make it true according to fact. Just because it's true, because these are true words for David. David. When David is praying, when he's crying out, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? This is how he feels. This is real. This is raw. This is naked. This is just you before God. How long? But just because it's true according to our feelings doesn't make it true according to fact. It doesn't feel like God is there. You see, there is a balance in our life when it comes to feelings. How many know there's a balance in our life? Some people ignore feelings. How many know somebody, people who just ignore feelings? I know people like that. They just ignore feelings, it's like they don't feel. They think that feelings should have nothing to do with their life. They they, they make life based on reason and based on the situation, but the, the feelings are left out of it, and especially true when it comes to the relationship with God. Feelings should have nothing to do with our relationship with God, they'll say. This is an extreme because God has given us feelings. God has given us feelings to express our emotions. Amen? God has given us feelings. You say, well, I got, I got my feelings hurt. Guess what? God gave you those feelings. Well, you don't understand that, that I, my, I, sometimes I feel low, sometimes I feel high. Sometimes I feel down, sometimes I feel up. Sometimes I feel one way or another. And it might not have anything to do with the circumstance. It's just how I feel. Right? Right? It's just how I feel. We can feel anger, love, care, sorrow. We have all these feelings. My question is, are we guided by our feelings all the time? Feelings are a gift from God. God feels for you this morning. Feelings are a gift from God. It's a sign that we're made in his image. Feelings are a gift from God. On the other side, there's some, so on one side, there's some people who, who never want to acknowledge feelings. How many know some of those people? And then on the other side, there's people who are ruled by their feelings. How many know some of those people? They are ruled by their feelings. If it's happy, oh, they are on top. Right, Bobby? Bobby's about the happiest person I know. Wait till you get to know you. Bobby's about the happiest person I know. Just, just a happy person. She is bubbly, full of joy. Amen? Somebody say amen. So she feels good about herself here. And then there's some people that are just down all the time. Have you ever met someone like that? They're just down all the time. These people are kind of funny. They kind of make me laugh a little. There's a guy I grew up with, and uh, he probably never hear this. His name is Josh. Josh is a was a very negative person. Everything. He could find some fault in it. And he was just he was it was just always seemed like he was down. Hey, Josh, man, didn't we have a great time at that camp? Yeah, you know, it was good. It was okay. You know, boy, you know, those beds could have been softer. Well, Josh, didn't you, didn't, didn't you have a, isn't that a nice car? I mean, you just got a brand new car, isn't that? A, yeah, yeah, you know, I could have gotten something a little better, though. You ever know somebody that's just always down? Josh, you just won a million dollars. Yeah, but it wasn't two million. <laughs> it's Someone's always down. They're always, it's always, it's, they're all feeling based. Somebody, he was always down. There's some people who are always full of joy. There's some people who are always down. There's some people who, who, I mean, I know people like this, where it just fluctuates so much that you have no idea what person you're going to experience. Have you ever experienced one of these people? Where hey, hallelujah, praise the Lord, how you doing this morning? Oh, boy. Have you ever been there? You've been around some it fluctuates so fast it's it, you get whiplash we don't want to be we we don't want to we don't want to live our lives based on our feelings why because we can't trust our feelings all the time we can't trust our feelings our feelings are affected by our fallenness our feelings are affected because we are fallen We are imperfect. Our feelings are affected by that. We can't trust our feelings. And in this sense, it's okay for David to have those feelings. You know, there's feelings like anger. The Bible says to be angry, but do not sin. What does that mean? It means I can experience feelings. I can experience anger and pain and hurt. But in those feelings, I have to be careful that I do not sin. David is praying here, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And some people would say, wow, that's a bit extreme, David. Are you sure you want to be talking to God like that? I mean, it's God for crying out loud. Are you sure you want to be talking to God like that? Oh, God, how long will you forget me forever? There's people who will go through suffering and they will pound their chest at God and say, God, where are you? There's nothing wrong with that. We get to a point of desperation in our lives. There's been times where I've been so focused on how I feel, I can't breathe. There's times where I'm so focused on how I feel, I can't even pray. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you just, man, just life, everything is just, it's down on me. And I get to such a place, it's so deep, I have a hard time even breathing, let alone praying. Have you ever been there? I have sorrow in my heart daily. We are so absorbed by situations at times, it feels, it feels like prayer is useless. I've been there. You've probably been there. It's that deep sense of loss or suffering. It's that de- depression clouds every thought where literally your body aches. And this is where David was. This is where David was. This is where, God, how long will you hide your face from me? It's a place where there are no formal prayers that can heal you. There are no formal prayers. I don't want to hear your formal prayers. There's no formal prayers that somebody can just, just. well, Lord, you know, I just pray to help them, Lord. It's just not going to help. It's not going to help. It's not going to heal. There's no repetitive phrases that can help. It's literally, you just fall on your back. You fall in your chair. You just lay back. You close your eyes. And with your last breath, you say, God, help me. God, help me. This is where David is when we go to verse 3. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I fall, lest I sleep the sleep of death. He gets to this point of desperation. He gets to this point of lowliness where he just says, God, just consider me. Hear me. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. When his feelings are marred by hopelessness, when our feelings are marred by hopelessness, where there's nothing else we can do but say, God, just please, will you consider me? This is what David does here. Hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes. Help me to see your goodness. Help me to sense your presence. Don't let my enemies overtake me. The Apostle Paul had this prayer for Christians. It's found in Ephesians. Please go to the next slide. That the glory, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? This is Paul's prayer for those in Ephesians. Paul's prayer to the Christians there. Enlighten my eyes. This is humility at its most powerful. This is humility at its most powerful place. It's where I am saying, God, I cannot do it anymore on my own. It's where I'm clearly saying, God, I can't, I am at the end of myself. Please help me. Please just consider me. Have you ever been there? I know I have. I want to share a story this morning of a man named Mark. Uh, Mark is now a pastor. Steve if you want to prepare the video Uh, he's now a pastor but in 1993 he went through something that will forever change his life and change his faith go ahead and push play
1: it was January 16th of 1993 in Boston it snows a lot and so you're shoveling your driveway constantly We had gone to the uh, supermarket that morning and while we were at the supermarket it was actually snowing so i got home kind of irritated and said uh, honey why don't you park the car out in the street here Uh, i'll just uh, clean off the driveway and our two kids were with us uh, our son uh, three years old and our daughter uh, lauren who was 18 months old I jumped out of the car, got a shovel, the kids jumped out with me and I asked my wife to move the car to a, to a, a easier spot for us to clean out the driveway and she did and she said make sure you keep an eye on the kids. And my son immediately went with her into the car, and my daughter was with me uh, for a few moments, uh, but what I hadn't realized was that she actually wanted to be in the car also. And so as my daughter was running to the car, she uh, was uh, trapped in the front wheel of the car. There was a brief uh, scream of pain, and uh, and I immediately ran out, and uh, to any parent's horror, uh, they see their uh, 18-month-old daughter under the front wheel of a 2,000 pound car was overwhelming. She died instantly as we found out later. Um, I actually took the uh, last breath that she ever breathed on this earth out of her lungs. And we um, drove to the emergency room at the hospital, hoping and uh, praying that things might be different, but they weren't. And um, within an hour or so they had pronounced her uh, dead. I was very angry at God. I didn't know why he would uh, choose me. And my mind would race and think, what is this all about? Where am I going? What does this all mean? Do I take my life? Do I uh, go through a divorce? We had a 97% uh, failure rate within the first two years when there's a the death of a child and the parental uh, involvement. Um, what would that mean? Would that, would that bring some closure to that? What would be a life of anger and despair uh, at God? Those options are, are not good ends. The struggle during our pain here was I had to make a decision. Am I going to accept or reject this situation that I'm in based on not knowing the end game or not knowing the, all the answers? I was given a Bible, my very first Bible, on Christmas, three weeks before uh, the accident. And that Bible was to become the thing that kept me alive. There were drugs and uh, various things that people gave us to try to calm us down during this difficult few weeks, but it was actually holding the Bible and reading it was the thing that actually comforted me the most. Um, I actually slept with my Bible for about nine months every night. What I was struggling for was the reality of Jesus, the reality of somebody who knew suffering, who was gonna be there, who uh, had experienced this himself. I spent a lot of time actually in cemeteries, just walking around and uh, found some comfort there. I could oftentimes connect more closely with pain there because I knew that everybody there had a story and that people uh had come and grieved there it gave me a clarity that jesus works powerfully in places where people are hurting and so i found great comfort to just be quiet and listen to him there and so um, sometimes i would just go around and read the uh the, the stone markers and um uh, pray for the various families and it actually turned from a from an internal thing where i was trying to get healing and hope to a place where I would actually intercede for others and that was a shift that occurred where God began to do a work that uh, my healing was going to be more complete in helping others. We had five neighbors who lived next to us directly next to us when the accident happened and within five years three whole families of those households came to know Christ personally and when I think back on where we were and how God used that I said that doesn't make it all right that doesn't make it good that doesn't make my pain go away but it does tell me that God is bringing some good out of this that there'll be some eternal good that comes out of her life and death your answer at this tough time is you are naked you are stripped down raw you have to make a decision which road are you gonna take where are you gonna go in your faith and I think evil and suffering drive us to those points where we have to make those naked decisions, we have to make those um, raw decisions that give us nowhere out, no, no, nothing to hold on to. We're just there before him. And that's what real faith I think is, not knowing the future, but understanding enough now to make a decision that will change the future in our lives. If I look at it through my own experience I think I would drive it to the point to say that God is in control of all things and nothing is beyond his reach, nothing is beyond his ability to control. The joy is, is knowing that this is just temporary, that there's something much more. The eternal perspective changes things because it takes the focus off of my experience now and puts it in a different level, a different realm. The Bible says uh, heaven will be a place where there's no more tears or pain or crying or death. Okay, so if if that's true, then the hope is is that these things will be resolved and that, that we'll understand or we'll have more clarity that we don't have now. hope is is that one day I'll walk with her in heaven. She'll be perfect. And I'll be full of joy. And this life will have made a lot more sense. Because sometimes it doesn't. But I have that hope.
0: doesn't make it all right. It doesn't make it good. and It doesn't make my pain go away. But it does tell me that God is bringing something good out of this. After David's simple prayer of, Lord, consider me. God, consider me. I'm in this place of darkness. I'm in this place of hurt. I'm in this place of, place of pain. God, just please consider me. We notice there is a entire, the, the way that we read Scripture entirely shifts. Scripture entirely changes. David's countenance and his outlook and, and everything he's saying just totally changes. Please go to the next slide. This is what he says. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Do you notice the shift here? He has gone from saying, I'm at my lowliest part. God, why can't you hear me any longer? God, you're hiding your face from me. And then he comes to this place where he says, God, I can't hear you. To saying, God, will you please just consider me? Just consider me. Just please hear me. He goes from a place of desperation to a place of prayer to a place of joy. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully to me. He has dealt bountifully to me. Jenny, if you want to come up, please. I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. God, I trust in your mercy. I trust in your salvation. His heart has turned from mourning to rejoicing. You say, well, hold on a second, Pastor David. That was King David. I mean, he's like a spiritual superhero. I remember when I was a kid, you say, who's your favorite Bible character? It's King David. Some people like Noah. Some people like Moses. Moses. I was, a, I was in King David's camp. I don't know what camp you were in, but, but you would say, well, that was Moses, or, or that was Noah. That was, that was the superhero of our faith. That was the, the fathers of our faith. What about us? What about me? What about the situation I'm in? Yeah, that's what David's doing, but what about real life? What about real life? I don't know that I could respond to God with joy and strength after so much suffering and pain in my life. I don't know that I can respond to God the same way that David is. That's okay. I understand. The Bible shows us this change in just a, a few short verses but some have been struggling for a long time. Some are struggling for a long time and they've been praying for help for a long time. How do we respond to God when we are deep in the pit of despair? How do we respond to God when when it feels like there is no light at the end of the tunnel, like there is nothing coming to rescue us? How do we respond to God? I showed you the example of David, and of course, we saw the example of Mark. Mark said after his daughter died, he fought he couldn't breathe. He couldn't eat. He considered taking his own life. said when there's a death of a child and there's parental cause, 97% will get divorced. Is that the road I go down? Do I go down the road where I just can't handle the pain in my life anymore, so I'll just do something to take away the pain? Do I go to a place of drugs? Do I go to a place of alcohol? Do Do I go to a place where I'm just numb to everything? Those were the questions that Mark struggled with. Those are real questions. That's a real life example. I want to give you another example. Just one more. Jenny, if you could play the song we were talking about. The music that Jenny is, is playing here. It's going to be familiar to a lot of you. The music was composed by a man named Philip Bliss. The name of the music is called Ville Duarve. Ville Duarve. Why, why does this matter, Pastor David? It's named after a ship. The SS Ville Duarve. It's named after a ship that was traveling from the United States to Europe. Well, why would they name it after a ship? Because while the music was composed by Philip Bliss, the words were written by a different man. His name was Horatio Spafford. In 1871, the Great Chicago Fire ruined him financially. His business interests were further hit by the economic downturn of 1873 at which time he planned to travel to Europe with his wife and his four daughters to start over again. The name of the ship was called the SS Ville In a late change of plan, he had to stay while his family went ahead. He was delayed by business plans. While crossing the Atlantic, the ship collided with another vessel and it sank rapidly. All four of Spafford's daughters died. His wife, Anna, survived and sent him a famous telegram that said this, Saved alone. What should I do? After receiving the telegram, he immediately left to find his wife and bring her home. He took another ship, and as they were crossing the Atlantic, the captain pulled him off to the side one night and said that right now we're passing over the spot where your daughters died. Right now, where we're at, three miles deep, is that ship. Three miles deep is where your daughters are. Horatio Spafford. In the midst of his suffering, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of this pain he was going through, this unspeakable pain, four daughters lost, he wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. I always wonder, can I respond to God like that? I always wonder, this man in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hurt, in the midst of pain, says, it is well with my soul when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, God, whatever I've done in my life, whatever the circumstances are, whatever has happened to me, whatever it is, God, I can still say it is well with my soul. Can you say that this morning? Have you ever been to that place to where you say, God, I can't hear you. God, where are you? And then you just simply say, God, consider me. when you just call upon the name of Jesus, God, consider me. And he brings you to that place of joy. He brings you to that place where you can say, it is well with my soul. I'd like you to stand today, if we can all stand. And on the slides, go back to the song this morning, It Is Well With My Soul. You may be going through it today. You might be going through it today. You might be going through suffering today. You may, this has been a year for a lot of people. This has been a week for a lot of people. You say, Pastor David, I'm just going through it. God is not removed from your situation. God is not removed from your situation. God is not removed from your pain. He's not removed from your suffering. When Mark was talking about in the video that he could only identify with God who identified with his pain and suffering. He identified with pain and suffering not just at the cross, but especially on the cross. That's the kind of God I can believe in. The God who understands suffering. The God who understands torment and pain and hurt. God is well acquainted with our pain and suffering. But he gives us strength and peace to move forward. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this together for a few moments this morning.
2: So i but
0: Continue singing this, but I'd like to do something this morning. I'd like us to come forward. I'd like us to come forward as family. Everyone, please step out of your seats. We're going to come forward and come right to the front. I'd like the elders to be in the front here. If you're on the board, please come to the front. Bob Williams, if you can come to the front as well. please, make come on through. If you're, a, if you're on the board, please come up on the stage. We're going to sing it again this morning. Steve, if you want to come down, that's okay. If, if not, that's okay too. I'd like us to do this. I'd like us to sing it again. And as we're singing it, the leaders in our church, the board members, Bob, I want you to help out, please. No, you can you can stay down. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Because what I want to do is I want to pray over each and every one of you. I want us to just, just, as board members, as leadership, as there are people here who are going through a tremendous suffering. You say, well, Pastor David, I'm not going through it right now. It'll happen. This is life. It's going to come someday. It's going to come someday. I want prayers to to cover me. There's so many people that will say, well, what can I do for you? And they'll say, just pray. Just pray. That's all we can do sometimes. So this morning, I'd like us to pray. Let's all sing this again. And as we're singing it, Leaders of the church, please start praying over each person you encounter. Bob, please help with this.
2: When peace like a river my my soul. It is well, it is well in my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should Christ has regarded my helpless estate, in I the shade soul, it is well. It is well with my soul. My sin, know oh, the bliss! Just thought, my sin. Oh, shall be beside the clouds be rolled back as a scroll the trum-